greetings and happy Mother's Day here from St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church in Fredericton, New Brunswick. Leading worship today will be Christina Blum and her father, Tim Blum, our organist, choir director, pianist, and music director is David Berry, and I am the Reverend Susan Brazier. Let us worship God. Now is a time to sing, to sing the good news of God, who awakens us at dawn's embrace, who surrounds us with joy and life. Now is a time to offer praise to God in every place with every voice, to rejoice in the one who leads us through each moment with a gentle hand and a word of hope. Now is a time to join all creation, extolling God from the depths of the sea to the farthest galaxies. We will sing the good news of Easter. We will rejoice in the God who loves us. table, tossing our dreams and hopes into the waste can to be emptied, tangling ourselves up in the covers as well as our fears, spending another sleepless, endless night, but your joy comes in the birds that sing us awake, in the sun which warms us, in blue skies that mark the way, holy imagination. The day awaits us and we are hesitant to step out the door our aging bodies wearied with illness, memory that doesn't seem as sharp as it once was, bullies wait to taunt us at school. We wonder if today we will find out that our job is no longer needed, but your grace comes in the laughter at lunch with friends, in the child who tells us a silly joke, in the touch of a loved one, imagination's child. The evening stretches before us and we sit at the table across from the empty chair. We dread the phone call from the ever forgetful parent. We weep at the image, images of pain and suffering flashing before us. But your hope comes in the silence of healing, in the dog who nuzzles our hands, in the card sent by an old friend, spirit of wonder. You come to us in every moment, and so we lift our prayer to you in praise. Amen.
so many important things happened here in this sea that we need a little piece of it to help us tell our stories. The sea is a wonderful and strange place. When the wind blows, it is wild and rough. But when the wind is calm, it is peaceful and still. After Jesus came back to life, his disciples went to Galilee, where Jesus told them to meet him. Seven of his disciples decided to go fishing. They fished all night long. But they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, they saw somebody standing on the shore, but they couldn't tell who it was. The person asked them, did you catch anything? His disciples answered, no. The person said, cast your net on the right side of the boat, and there you will find some fish. The net was so full with fish, it was too heavy to bring into the boat. Suddenly, Peter exclaimed, it's Jesus. He jumped in the water and went to greet him. others came ashore when they got there they saw a charcoal fire with fish and bread the person said come and eat The disciples then recognized Jesus. Jesus gave them bread
also fish. So I wonder how the disciples felt when they were fishing all night long and caught nothing. I wonder how Peter knew that it was Jesus standing on the shore. And I wonder where you are in this story. for your wisdom and truth. Send your Holy Spirit to guide us as we listen. Prepare our ears to hear your word and our hearts to receive it. Amen. This morning's reading is from Ephesians 4, starting at 17, verse 17 to chapter 5, ending verse 2. Now this I affirm and insist on in the Lord. You must no longer live as the Gentiles live, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in the understanding, alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance and hardness of heart. They have lost all sensitivity and have abandoned themselves to licentiousness, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. That is not the way you learned Christ. For surely you have heard about him and were taught in him, as truth is in Jesus. You were taught to put away your former way of life, your old self, corrupt and deluded by its lusts, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to clothe yourselves with the new self, created according to the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. So then, putting away falsehood, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up stealing. Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their own hands, so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up, as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander, together with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. Therefore, the imitators of God, as beloved children, 
and live in love as Christ loved us. my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The season of Easter, Eastertide as it's sometimes called in the Christian calendar, invites worshipers to linger with the stories of Jesus and his friends and followers in the days after his horrific crucifixion and mind-blowing resurrection. Jesus' instructions at the tomb to the women to tell the disciples to return to Galilee, and he would meet them there. Jesus' encounters with the disciples in the locked room, bidding them peace and, and asking what they had on hand to eat. Jesus coming to Thomas and allaying his doubts. And finally, in this morning's Gospel reading, we encounter a small group of the disciples following the instructions and waiting for Jesus in Galilee at the Sea of Tiberias, which is actually just another name for the Sea of Galilee. Listen now for the Word of God, as found in John 21, verses 1 through 14. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered together were Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we'll go with you. They went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net to the right side of the boat, and you will find some. 
So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard it, that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the full net of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred meters off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come, have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. This is a word of God for the people of God. The first few verses of this morning's scripture tells us that one day, seven of the remaining disciples were just twiddling their thumbs by the Sea of Galilee. Peter, Nathaniel, James, John, Thomas, and two others whom John doesn't even bother naming are just sitting around shooting the breeze. Finally, Peter's restlessness gets the better of him. I'm going fishing. And with a shrug, the other six say, we'll go with you. Nothing else to do. We're told that they fished all night and they caught nothing all night. They worked all night and before Jesus arrived on the scene, they have nothing to show for their efforts. I mean, it's enough to make even a professional fisherman irritable. And so at dawn's first light, when some anonymous figure on the shore cups his hands to his mouth to shout, catch anything? I suspect the no they shouted back to him was tinged with just a little bit of irritability. No. The figure on the shore doesn't get the hint, however. Well, try the other side of the boat, he cheerfully suggests. Yeah, right. Like they hadn't been alternating the net position all night long as it was. And so sneering and rolling their eyes and making a big show of it, they plopped their net onto the other side of the boat. And of course, instantly it fills with fish. And so in moments, they know exactly who it is, who had made the suggestion from shore. It's the Lord, John calls out. And to be a sensible soul, Peter immediately puts back on his clothes that he had taken off earlier and then proceeds to leap into the water. That leaves one less person to drag the now listing boat back into shore. But eventually they all get there, only to discover Jesus poking an old stick into the charcoal fire 
on which there are already fish sizzling and biscuits browning up. And it's Jesus, the resurrected Lord of life in the flesh. Absolutely amazing, isn't it? I mean, it is, isn't it? I mean, I mean, Jesus is there. And yet, Peter just stands there, kind of slack-jawed, while his soaked outfit plop, plop, plop water into the sand. Meanwhile, the other disciples are looking from one another, wondering if one of them should say something like, is it really you, Jesus? But then deciding that they don't want to ask because they know it's Jesus. At least, pretty sure. And meanwhile, with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords sitting right there, one of the disciples decides that it is a fine time as any to, well, count fish. Uh, be with you in a moment, Sovereign Lord. Now, now where was I? 46, 47, 48, 49. There were 153 fish, it turns out. They knew. They counted. And finally, Jesus says, let's eat. And so Jesus takes bread and fish. He takes bread and fish and distributes them to, well, to the seven of them. He distributed bread and fish, not to 4,000 people or to 5,000 people, which he had done long before he had been raised the Lord of life, but now, just to the seven, there is a firstborn from among the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, the Alpha and the Omega, and he's tending a, a little campfire, frying up fish and serving up a homely breakfast for seven hungry people. I mean, Compared to the razzle-dazzle from earlier in the Gospel, this all seems a little scaled back. Before the resurrection, Jesus once fed 5,000 people from just two fish. That's amazing! But now the crowd has dwindled to seven, and he's got 153 fish to work with. So we go from a ratio of 0.004 fish per person to 22 fish per person. Doesn't that seem to have things going the wrong way around? Why did Jesus do bigger things before he was raised from the dead? And while we're at it, what was Jesus doing on that beach? Why isn't he off somewhere toppling dictators why isn't he in Rome scaring the toga off the Caesar? Why isn't he curing cancer or routing out demons or making the crooked ways straight or the rough places smooth? What is a resurrected Lord of Life doing here on a beach tending a small fire whipping up breakfast for his friends? Is this what life after the resurrection looks like? This story is so utterly surprising, shocking even. I mean, 
typical, how, how mundane, how everyday can you get? This isn't the Sermon on the Mount, the Transfiguration, the Rising of Lazarus. This, this is breakfast. And that's about it. But after a night of frustration and futility, casting that net over and over again and getting a fat load of nothing for all their efforts, only to haul in a back-breaking 153 fish, remember they had counted, at one time, finding a friend and warm breakfast waiting is exactly what they needed. That breakfast is a real miracle here. Seeing people, really seeing people and knowing their needs in that moment and then meeting those needs. It seems so small, so ordinary, so mundane and so utterly miraculous. In Paul's letter to the Ephesians, he talks about the Gentiles living lives of futility and scrambling to quench their desires, their greed, and just coming up short, living in darkness with hardness of heart, cut off from God, their lives simmer in a stew of utter futility, pointlessness, uselessness. But as people of faith, followers of Christ, we know how to persevere repeatedly casting a net into seemingly empty water, or tackling mountains of laundry, or endless grocery shopping, or supervising homework, or rescuing Lego blocks from the vacuum cleaner. In the moment, it may appear pointless, but as followers of Christ, we know that the miracle is in the warm breakfast shared with friends. Living as Christ commands, to love one another, honor one another, put others' needs before our own, that we find meaning and purpose in our existence. And sometimes, when we have the courage to cast our nets to the other side, I will have you note in the, the text this morning, it said, to the right side, we receive a harvest sometimes beyond our wildest imaginations. 153 fish, we know because they counted. They cast and they cast and they cast all to no avail. And then with one single effort, they receive a return that boggles the mind. Patience, perseverance, and following Jesus's directions all leads to the real miracle of the story. The unexpected warm breakfast shared with friends in the presence of our God, because God is with us Always, always, always. Where is God calling you to cast your nets? Amen. join me in the prayers of the people. God of our lives and our loving,
we thank you for the signs of resurrection that are all around us, showing that life is stronger than death. Give us the grace to recognize and embrace the gifts of new life that your love makes possible for us all as we pray for your resurrecting power to renew the world amid all of its challenges. God of home and family, today we thank you for our families, especially for our mothers and our grandmothers. We are grateful for their love and attention, their hard work and the deep hope that they have cherished for each one of us. We honor before you each mother, grandmother, and great-grandmother who has died. We pray for all who have felt isolated from their families in these months of the pandemic. Reunite us in your love. God of connections and compassion, today we thank you for our friends and relations, for neighbors and fellow citizens who help to make our lives complete. We thank you for the smiles shared, the helping hands offered, commitments honored, and we pray for all those around us who are facing particular challenges this day. Restore our hope with your love. God of courage and new possibility, today we pray for all those who have felt life or love slipping through their fingers in this time of distancing we've had to endure and for those who have struggled with their physical or mental health, whatever the reason. We pray for communities trying to sort out how to recover from the pandemic, and for those worried about their personal futures, encourage us with your love. God of forgiveness and renewal, today we pray for those whose relationships are in need of repair, and for all who work for peace and reconciliation in the face of deep divisions. We pray for families, churches, communities, and countries facing conflict, and we ask that your spirit open hearts and minds to deeper understanding. Reconcile us through your love. As friends and followers of Jesus, we offer the words he taught us, precious to the whole family that claims his love. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now go out into the world in peace. Have courage, hold on to that which is good. Return no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the suffering, honor all people. Love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the Holy Spirit. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and to be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.